I remember seeing the Simpsons episode a few years ago where Homer goes to this deserted island and he, he's with the native people and he builds this church. They never heard of a church, they never heard of Christianity and builds this beautiful church. And uh, at, at the end of the building of the church, people are all happy and then one of the natives says to the other natives of this island, how many times must we go to church to avoid hell? And the other native says, every Sunday for the rest of our lives. And then the first one started just laughing uncontrollably. And he said, ha ha ha, no really, how many times? And the idea that they were communicating in the joke, which is kind of interesting, is that it's absolutely crazy that you would have to go to church every single Sunday of your entire lives. It's a lot of Sundays. It's a lot of hours. The joke, just somewhat funny, comes from a view of church and mass and what we do here from the world's point of view as an outsider. And in fact, I would actually go as far as to say that it's a demonic way of looking at what mass is and what the Eucharist is. A lot of times you hear the church referred to in this way, or at least I do, by some of the celebrity atheists. At least a lot of the guys that I grew up with in college listening to. And they would talk about the church and the rules of the church, the law of the church, as though they were these heavy chains and burdens that were absolutely absurd to follow through with and obey. And so this idea of mass, what we're doing right now, as burdensome, as being a burden, is completely the opposite of what we actually understand the Mass to be and what Jesus wants us to understand the Mass is. The reason that Jesus gave us the Mass. The reason that it is a huge deal to miss Sunday Mass. And the Church gives us a few presentations of why this is the case, starting with the story of Elijah the Prophet, who, as far as I'm concerned, is the greatest of the Prophets. He's certainly my favorite. Elijah the prophet is a prophet who lived just a couple generations after King David. And all of a sudden, in the kingdom of Israel, you had this evil king. And he was not explicitly evil, but he married a pretty evil wife. And he kind of endorsed a lot of her ideas, and he was very passive. He wasn't a good king. And so 
he endorsed all these wicked philosophies and theologies of the time. They worshipped these false gods. Baal being the worst of the false gods that they worshipped. And so the true God of Israel, who had done all these things for the people of God up until this point, we think about all the things that God did through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, moving on to King David, all these glorious ways that God had manifested himself and started this relationship with the people and this kind of wicked king with his wicked wife, Queen Jezebel, come in and they throw it all away. And so all the people start to fall away. And the new hot religion of the time, the new hot cultural ideas of the time are the worship of these false gods of Baal and the kind of letting go of the God of the Israel Israelites. And so Elijah, this very kind of intense prophet, comes to the king and says, you're being very wicked. You got to change this around and start to follow the God that founded our nation and our kingdom and our people the true God, and he says you're going to have a drought, and then a lot of things happen. Elijah is basically chased out by the king and the queen, and eventually, for years and years, he's the only guy who's speaking up about these things, and God speaks to him from time to time, and at this point in the story, we're at a point when Elijah's been chased down so many times and he's like the one, the one guy who's actually telling the truth. But because everybody else is living in lies, he seems like the crazy one. And he's just discouraged. The guy's discouraged. It's, it's like if your whole family abandons you, his family is the people of God. And he feels like a father to the people of God. And they've all gone away. And he's being persecuted and the king's got his soldiers out looking for him. So we find Elijah here today. And he's had, it, he's had enough. And he says this. This is enough, O Lord. Take my life. He wants to die. He's just done with living, period. And Elijah lay down and fell asleep under a broom tree. But then an angel touched him and ordered him to get up and eat. Elijah looked, and there at his head was a hearth cake. It's like a little hearty piece of bread. And a jug of water. After he ate and drank, he lay down again. But the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and ordered, get up and eat, else the journey will be too long for you. Elijah listened, he got up, he ate, he drank, and strengthened by that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God, Horeb. 
And there he has his greatest encounter with God. I, I, a couple weeks ago, I ran <clears throat> a half marathon. And um, I don't like running. I'm not really a big fan of it. I did not practice as much as I should have. Um, but a lot of my family and my, my friends were doing this, and they all, it was kind of a vacation thing. They, they tried to get me to do it, and I just kind of, in the winter, said, yeah, sure, that sounds great, right? And then started to get closer and closer and just kind of dreading it. And so I did this half marathon. I'm not a runner. And at about, it's, it's a little over 13 miles. And at about mile nine, I found myself just wanting to start walking. And that was one of my goals. Uh, not necessarily uh, to, to have a record pace or anything. I didn't want to walk though. I wanted to keep running. And I found myself very, very tempted and discouraged. My time for my set goals in my head was already way behind. I was way farther back than I would have liked to have been. And I'm just starting to think in my head, you know what, I'm already way behind my goals. Maybe I should just start walking. It's getting tired and thirsty. And the knees are starting to ache and the little pains are starting to come. And then all of a sudden this guy came up from behind me and, or rather I caught up with this guy just barely. He was slowing down and I was kind of keeping the same pace. And I was like, whoa, bro. I passed you like an hour ago. <laughs> he was like, he was like, you're making some great time. You must have caught a stride or something like that. And I, he caught me off guard. And I was like, oh. He was encouraging me. And he said, he said keep it up, keep going. You're doing awesome. And it completely changed the rest of my run. I felt incredibly encouraged. It's like, oh, maybe I'm doing okay right now. And, you know, it had been 10 miles and just kind of thinking in your own head and kind of grinding it out. I was like, well, maybe I am doing okay in this, this race. And that gave me energy to finish up the last quarter of the race. It rejuvenated me. This is the exact way that Jesus is talking about the Eucharist in our Gospel today. Your ancestors ate manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that came down from heaven, so that those who eat it will not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Unless you eat my flesh, and drink my blood, you don't have life in you. You're dead. You're toast. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Whoever feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Elijah's bread was earthly bread. These words of encouragement that this guy gave me, those were earthly words of encouragement. I might have come from God, 
But those were earthly words. God gives us this bread from heaven. We actually have heavenly bread. And yeah, it is a big deal if we miss Mass on Sundays. It is an obligation for that reason. Because we can't live without it. And we can't get to heaven without this supernatural bread. Let alone get through life. Jesus longs to console, encourage, and strengthen us through the Eucharist. We need the Eucharist to get to heaven. And if we want to have a joyful life and receive rest, we need it on our journey here on earth. And a lot of times, we don't really feel like it. I know when I was a young person, I didn't think about it that way. But just like a mom of a toddler says to her child, you're going to take a nap because you need rest. You're going to eat your food because you need nourishment. Our, our, our wise mother, which the church is referred to always as a mother, tells us, you need your rest. You need to be sustained. Jesus, we ask you to help us to find your Eucharist as a source of consolation and to not take it for granted, to appreciate the rest that you give us. Help us to realize what's good for us and not get in these hyper-tired states in our souls where we don't even feel like resting because we're so tired existentially. Help us to receive the Eucharist with great reverence. Help us to have that supernatural food that gets us through the week. Thank you for the gift of daily Mass and especially Sunday Mass. Bless us with your Eucharistic presence. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.